And then there was one. Blockbuster video. One store left in America. One store left on planet Earth in Bend, Oregon. There's one picture of a guy taking a selfie of himself outside the Blockbuster. And behind him, of course, is the Blockbuster. But there's one customer walking into the store. And the customer is about 150 years old. That tells you everything you need to know. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Congratulations to the uh, man who survived uh, his car being stuck with his dog, surviving on Taco Bell hot sauce, uh, packs of sauce in his car. And um, we said uh, on Chewing the Fat, when we originally did the story, what, Taco Bell hasn't come forward yet and given this guy any love? Well, they finally did. They finally gave the guy free food for a year. Now, I want to say you're welcome. Uh, we did that for you. I also want to say Taco Bell. Only a year? Come on, man. I mean, I, I appreciate I know it's a year. I got it. But, I mean, maybe, you know, a year and then a lifetime supply of taco sauce or something. Just something a little bit different. But anyway, you're welcome and congratulations to Taco Bell for actually pulling it out. Yesterday we talked to you about... Uh, the guy that uh, cared so much about Bernie Sanders that he uh, had his testicles cut off and sold. Uh, there was also a story that I missed, and I apologize, but it was a bad day for uh, man unit parts yesterday. You had, the, you had the millennial cutting off his testicles, and then you had the billionaire diamond trader in Paris. Iud um, Are Lanado. I have no idea. <laughs> E H U D A R Y E L A N I A D O. 65 years old, diamond trader, billionaire, worth a fortune, been in trouble with the law and a tax problems. But surprise, tax problems in France. Huh. That's a, it's a weird thing. Tax problems. Billionaires with tax problems. That should be a new reality show. But he apparently was uh, happy with everything about himself except that he thought he was always too short. And by too short, I mean in height and in man unit size. So at 65, with all the money in the world, he decided to, hey, let's have surgery and enlarge my man unit. (laughs) What a good idea. (laughs) No, it was not a good idea. And uh, he died. So the next time you look down, you think to yourself, Man, was I going to make this bigger? You might want to think again. I wouldn't do that. If you're looking to make a little money, here you go. A Thai farmer, a multimillionaire farm owner from Thailand. He is tired of waiting for his 26-year-old daughter to get married. She's turning into an old maid at 26. So he posted a couple of pictures, and he's now making an offer. Here you go. Marry my daughter, you get my money. I mean, I don't know about you, but this podcast is now being done on an airplane to Thailand. But you have to stay there, sadly. You know, it's, not, it's not like he's giving you marrying the daughter and you're bringing her back to the U.S. That's a little shame. But uh, you got to stay there and, and farm on the, on, the, on the big Thailand, the farm. And, uh, that might be why she's not married. I can't move. I have to stay with dad. That's a shame. See you later. Take care. So, because he says, look, I I just want a a diligent and good person who loves his family, a hard worker. I don't need anybody, you know, any kind of school. I need somebody that will take care of the family and take care of my farm. Then I'll give it to them. Marry my daughter and it's all yours. And he's worth millions. So maybe you go to Thailand, you marry the daughter. She's not that bad for $10 million. And uh, you hang out. He gives you the farm, then you sell it, right? You sell it, you bring her back to the States, or she can stay with dad. And you later. Not giving you any ideas. Sorry, just letting you know. Under the heading of crime done wrong, uh, this news from Florida. Oh, really? Crime done wrong in Florida? Yep. So two sisters are accused, and it appears that they are guilty, 
of killing their 85-year-old father. Well, he did this a couple years ago. They got away with it. Are you kidding me? They got away with, oh, Linda Roberts, 61, and Mary Beth Tomaselli, 63, arrested and charged first-degree murder for the 2015 death of their father. Amazing. So the crime took place when the two sisters were at their father's Palm Harbor, Florida home. They called 911. Paramedics rushed in. He was declared dead. The doc said, yep, he was re- he's been really sick. He was really sick. I mean, he was close to dying anyway. Is that really murder then? Just kidding. The, uh, he was really sick, but apparently he wasn't going to die soon enough for the sisters. They wanted him gone. So they... They may they tried to they tried to overdose him didn't work. They tried to put a pillow over his head didn't work. So finally they just put a rag down his throat. <laughs> Jesus, calm down, sisters. The rag finally worked. How did they get caught? Running their mouth with a boyfriend. Both of them seeing the same guy, and he says, "Woo." I don't know if I want to see these two anymore. They're both telling me the same story about how they killed their dad. I don't know how long I'm going to be around. Well, I just have to bring in a recorder and record them talking about how they killed their dad and then go to the police. Uh-uh, it worked. They should have just shut up. All right, so the other day we were talking about uh, the bridge player. Yesterday. The other day, like Yesterday. I said, the... You make it sound like it was last week. It yeah. was yesterday. It was yesterday's the show. Other day is yesterday another day? Yeah, but not okay. that far away. It was yesterday. Can Why you say are yesterday? You even speaking? Oh, I'm sorry. So in Europe, I can't even remember his stupid name now. Gerg or Gurk, whatever his name was, got busted for uh, a doping, and he is a bridge player. He's like the best bridge player in the world. So I got a. a Twitter account, a tweet, a tweet, a Twitter. I got a post from Toby McAvoy, uh, at McAvoy TM, uh, with a picture of something saying, hey, I took this when I was playing bridge. Round him up. Whoop, 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 right? whoop, whoop, whoop. I, mean, I, I don't know, if, but like, apparently he's willing to say it on the air. Does he know that we don't protect him? Uh, like, this is not, we're not lawyers. We is, play one on TV. This is not a safe zone. This is not a safe zone. Okay, we do not represent you, but we're happy to throw you under the bus anytime you call. So, Toby, welcome to Chewing the Fat. How in the world are you? I am doing well. How are you, Debbie? Ah, I'm so good. I have never seen times better. I, really, I never have seen times better. But <clears throat> that is that. That's good to hear. I, I want to let you know I'm also a uh, stent implant person with you. So you're kind of my stent buddy over oh, there. Oh, nice. How long have how long how long have you, yours been in? About seven years. Oh, so and it, and it held. It stuck. There was no problems. No problem. Yeah, good. I hope I have the same kind you have because they're all they're they're all still worried. Uh, you know, it's been a couple months and they're all. St- For those of you wondering, I had a heart event. Uh, a heart attack. At, it was a heart event. I call it a heart, a heart event. That's what the doctor called it, but I'm calling it an event. Uh, and they put in a stent, and uh, it. Uh, they're all concerned now. It's been two months. And they got to wait and make sure it takes. What does it do? Keeps the vein open in your heart so that blood continues to pump through, and you Absolutely. don't have another heart event. Heart attack. <laughs> you know, event. Heart attack. So anyway, good, and everything's going well with you. You've, you're doing great after that. Yes, I am. All right, great. Thank so you. wait, That's are you saying, to Toby, that you had a heart attack? I did not have a heart attack. I had uh, kind of an annoyance. I was having a lot of discomfort by doing really uh, stressful things like taking a 30-minute walk around the neighborhood, and things didn't feel good. I well, no, that Jeffy lost it. So, Jeffy, was yours because of a 30-minute walk around your neighborhood? Well, that's what technically, if you wanted to do that, had I said something, I probably would have gone in and just got a stent done as okay, well. Okay, because you can't do your 30-minute walk. Yeah, because, I mean, I did I did let that discomfort that Toby mentions, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. I let it, that slide. Oh. You know, like, oh, that'll go Because you were doing the 30-minute walk that'll around the block Well, every more day. than 30. Oh, you do more than 30. Oh, my gosh. Oh, show off. You know, yeah. I mean, the neighbors, the neighbors actually stopped by not long ago. I was wondering, hey, what happened? Because you're oh, walking you group, walk by the house. Your walking group was missing. Yeah. So, Toby, you are you're a bridge player. I am a bridge player. Do you still play? I do as much. Not as after I can. today. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, the, 
the good news is that that story about the big doping scandal is with the WBF, the World Breeding Right, right, right. I belong to a different group, the ACBL, the American Contract Bridge League. And we, we could and dope, so, damn it. That's right. Yeah, this is America freedom. That's <clears throat> great. So what, what you had, gave me a picture of was the uh, Brain Awake Red with nitric oxide booster. You have no idea how I want to take this now. Well, and the main thing was that when I looked at the back, um, it, there are two chemicals I got introduced to several years ago, oddly enough, for a yoga teacher, and no, I still don't practice yoga, but uh, there's phosphatidylcholine and there's phosphatidylserine, which are both excellent for brain health, and I think it's phosphatidylserine that's in that item that I showed you the picture of. So, do you still take it? I took it a day before a weekend of, in- of intense bridge play, but I don't take it all the time. Okay. Did you feel any difference? Well, let me tell you, the first session I played after taking it, I did terribly. And I thought, well, this crap doesn't help. (laughs) The rest of the weekend went better. And who knows whether that was the the brain health or the getting my hiney handed to me on the first session. Right. I wish I I understood bridge better. My first wife was a great bridge player and, and was, you know, she would have been busted for doping. That's not true. But that's the, nothing well, is farther from my, the truth. My, but my question about doping: people I know in the ACBL and the various tournaments that I attend, and even the clubs that I attend, um, I think people take opponents out for cocktail hour before a match. So, oh yeah, is get that a, reverse doping, right? Yeah, I mean, well, that that's 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 part of the game, Toby. Oh, you bet. That's part of the game. Now, the reason that he got busted though is because you know he's part of the. The uh, the international athletic the event communist people, the one. IOF, yeah, yeah, the one that yeah, doesn't let you dope, yeah, yeah, and and so it's surprising that the Bridge Federation, the World Bridge Federation, is under that, but because uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that it would be for some reason. I, it's a it's a card game. Right. I know I know and that it's more I than a, I know that it's more funding, than a card game to you people, yeah, Toby. I got it. Or marketing or some other benefit of being under that umbrella. So, uh, do you you uh, do you go to like tournaments uh, around the country? Do they have bridge? I mean, I know they have bridge tournaments, but I mean, does your special doping bridge people do they have a special place they go to? Don't make them sound like they're outcast. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, you know, you may as well consider us outcasts. Yeah, bridge we, players we are. are. They're a bunch of they're uh, weird at, birds. You know that. Yeah, at, at the right young age of forty twelve, uh, fifty two, um, I'm still one of the younger players. Right. In, in the clubs, they do refer to me as the young whippersnapper. I believe that because, you know, look, uh, you know, it's funny you say that, but, uh, you know, you don't see a lot of, you don't hear a lot of young kids going, uh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm home playing bridge. Right. And, I mean, my kids would. Wait, you don't? No, you don't. I'm just saying. Your you don't. kids I, don't say no, that? No, my kids do not say, hey, huh. we're playing bridge. I mean, they barely want to look at a deck of cards. Barely want to look at right. a deck of cards. Right. And I mean, I'm dying to play gin with my, with my son. And he's like, eh, I'm busy. <laughs> um, here in Southern Nevada, there are several active bridge clubs. Most cities. Oh, have you're in Southern Nevada, a, so a you're variety just, of bridge clubs. All right, so you're gambling. You're a bridge gambler. You're like the bridge well, hustler but, in Vegas, is what you because are. we we don't win any money from it. We earn what the hell kind of? I you know, we earn we we pay for the opportunity to get abused at the bridge table. All right, so let me and if let we me do get, really well. All right, totally we get me. master points. And master points can be collected and earned for honor titles, but okay. they can't be redeemed for anything. All right, so let me ask you a question. Uh, off the record, all right? Yes. And we're not on the air now. Of course not. All right, we're not on the air now. Uh, nope. Do you guys have, like, you know, underhand betting and stuff that you don't talk about? I don't. 100% true. I, I, I don't. Um, oh, well, I you said 100% possible. true, so I believe you. Yeah, it, it, it's possible <laughs> I have bought someone a beverage uh, by not playing well against them. It's also possible I bought someone a beverage who was sitting across the table from me, trying to be my partner as best they could, and I screwed up. They, they earn a beverage that way, too. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, a beverage is not game. I don't consider that gambling. Right. I'm talking about, you know, a roll of cash. 
I've never seen it. I don't participate in it, and it's all it's all above board. Wow, no, leave him no, alone. Wow, no, no Stop wonder pushing. kids don't want to play bridge. No wonder. <laughs> well, and so the bridge world and the poker world sometimes share some people, and there are a, a variety of questions I'll get when I'm, I tell people I'm going to a tournament. Well, how much will you win? Nothing. I pay my travel expenses. I pay my hotel expenses. I pay the carding fees. I pay for food while I'm away. We don't earn money at this. Well, you're a bad oh, American, just to oh. let you know. I mean, you let us down. Toby, I can understand. I can understand why you want to play. Yeah. I mean, it sounds fun. Let <laughs> me tell you, it really is. It's tough to get started. I've been doing it since 2007, <laughs> and um, it's kind of an addiction. That's so even cool. even worse than it, it's, it's an addiction I'm not getting paid for. Right. Hey, Toby, thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Be well, both of you. Thank you. And thanks for uh, you know listening to Chewing the Fat and subscribing. I appreciate it. 20 stars, best podcast ever. Yeah, baby. Before we go to the break room, I want to say we got news yesterday on Alex Trebek. Sad news. Uh, 78 years old. Uh, He's got stage four pancreatic cancer. His video was impressive yesterday. And uh, if you haven't seen it, you can follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA, Facebook at Jeffy, Jeff Fisher Radio, Instagram Jeff Fisher Radio, and watch the Alex Trebek video. But he was, the video was great, and he talked about how he's going to fight it, and he talked about the odds, and uh, he needed everyone's prayers, and he had to do it because we don't say my sad music for Alex. Is that what you're doing? Wow. No, he's not gone yet. Don't make me start crying for Alex yet. Don't do it. Because he's gonna fight. He still got show. He still got shows to do. And the success rate of fighting stage four pancreatic cancer is. Yeah, no, that was not funny. We're praying for you, Alex. Despite the, the sad music. Okay. Okay. Enough. Hey, that was that was not me. All right. All right, let's go to the break room. <laughs> I'm really thirsty. <sighs> I'm out of Coke Zero too, so I have to actually drink water. What? What? I've got to hydrate more. My skin's really dry. It's been, this season has been really hard on my skin. Oh. I will say, though, I do like ice cold water. And ice cold water is much better for you than is room temperature cold? water. What's that? Is that water cold? Yes. <sighs> Theater of the mind. Yeah, it's like you. It doesn't look cold. Theater at all. of the mind. That's like more than room temperature. Oh, That's been up, in the car God. like for a week. <laughs> it's the only water I had left. Why you just why just go with it? I'm not just gonna go lie to the audience. I can't tell on camera. You can't tell on camera. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you cannot. Let's do some headlines. We're in the break room. All right, let's do some headlines. All right, some headlines in the here in the break room. Uh, Michael Bloomberg said he's not going to run for president. Dry your eyes. I know. Go ahead. Hurry up. Michael Bloomberg won't run for president. Use the same one for Michael Bloomberg and Alex Trebek. Wow. We got to get some new sound effects. FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb, known for his responses to e-cigarettes and the opioid epidemic. He's resigning. Right. See, why did you do that earlier? Papa John's founder, John Shatner, leaving the company's board of directors. That was not him. That was John Shatner. That was uh, the orangutan, whatever the orangutan's name was. Uh, Dollar Tree. The family dollar problem closing 390 family dollar stores. Right? I mean, that's a lot of stores for them. Now they've got stores, you know, they've got, I probably, I don't know how many stores Dollar General has. Uh, Family Dollar Tree. 
I don't know how many stores they have. Look that real quick. Look that up before you look for another bougie sound effect. Just look up the Dollar Tree stores and see how many stores. They have. I bet you they have. I think at one time. See, there's difference. There's the family. There's Family Dollar. There's Dollar General, and there's the Dollar Tree. This is the Dollar Tree because Family or Dollar General, I think, has like two thousand stores or something. They got a lot. They're a bunch. But Dollar Tree probably has what? 1,400? 14,800 14, stores throughout the 48 states and Canada. Dollar Tree. 14,000 stores. Wow. So 309, nothing. I mean, 309, that you could throw the merchandise from those stores and the other 14,000 sold. Wow. We, we're in the wrong business. Dollar Tree, 14,000 stores. I can't believe that. I think that's a lie. That's fake news. I don't believe I've ever seen $14,000 trees, man. Come on. That's a lot of freaking stores. Okay, if you say so. Uh, Mario Batelli, the celebrity chef, surrendered his ownership in the stakes of his restaurants since he's been accused of sexual assault and harassment two years ago. Goodbye. 2017, man. It got caught up in the Me Too movement and done. History. Hello. Goodbye. I I know. I know. Uh, News yesterday, Amazon's closing all 87 of its pop-up electronics shops uh, in the U.S. starting next month. They're just, look. No need. The brick and mortar is done. They don't even, I'm sure, look, Jeff's got to have alimony payments to make here in a little bit. As soon as that divorce gets finalized, there's going to be some alimony payments to, to make. And uh, these brick-and-mortar stores, they're just costing way too much money. Red. Let's get rid of them. We're going to need some cash. I'm, think, I'm rethinking the Bezos divorce now. Oh, here we go. Okay. You're my boat. Right? I'm rethinking the Bezos divorce now. No, not even close. I'm thinking they don't get divorced. I'm thinking now they just they're just split up. And they don't get divorced, and they both say we still love each other, but we're struggling, and we're like trying that. to we're working out. And they don't get divorced, which means that all the money stays, everything is stay, everything is status quo. Everybody just everybody's done. I think that's what's going to happen. And then she's found dead. Abercrombie and Fitch penciling penciling in a better than expected annual sales thanks to uh broad store remodeling efforts yeah well i mean you, who shops at abercrombie and fitch nobody right i mean nobody that I, i'm not the 16 year old chick wait what i know are you sure know. there's no sound effect for that i i'm not the suck 16 year old chick i don't even get an orangutan for that i'm a lobby girl <laughs> in a very what do you want out of me? I mean, you ever been into the Abercrombie and Fitch stores? I mean, of course you go in, right? I mean, it's been a long time since I've been in an actual mall anyway. But uh, Do they still have those? Yeah, they do still have them. I see. I still see them. I can see the sign that says, Mall. <laughs> and as I drive by. But the thing is, is if I type in mall.com, type that in, see what happens. Mall.com. Because if I type in mall.com, it doesn't deliver to my house like Amazon.com does. Maybe they do. Maybe I should start going to mall.com. It's probably a porn site. Mall.com turns to gouda.com. Ooh. Really? That's dumb. And don't ask me what gouda is because this Gouda's. is all like weird letters and yes, I'm gonna be probably they're probably gonna say I'm racist because this is some weird letters and look at that. Well, we have to edit this out. We can't let that stand. That is. I'm glad. I'm glad the man of Porker, Puerto Rican descent is saying it. I'll tell you that. That's how racist. I probably cursed out someone in Djibouti by saying Gouda.com. <laughs> um, I don't be messing with Djibouti. Djibouti is our is our is our is our motherland. Now right, we got listeners in Djibouti. I love Djibouti. Okay, so we also have the war in, about Steven Spielberg and uh, Netflix. I don't know if we talked about it at all on this podcast, but it really ticks me off. And, uh, you know, Spielberg is looking back saying that uh, he doesn't want uh, Netflix movies to be uh, up for Oscars unless they're at the theaters longer. Who said this? Steven Spielberg. And who is this guy? Who is Steven Spielberg? Yeah, who the hell does he think he is? 
Well, only probably, you know, the world-est, renownedest director, producer ever. He gets ever. to make his decisions. He's speaking on behalf of the Academy, yeah. Absolutely, he's speaking on behalf of the Academy. The Academy is not going to badmouth Spielberg. Holy crap, no way. I don't know who this guy is, but I don't like it. Oh, my gosh. I want you right now. Look up Steven Spielberg. Just look up Steven Spielberg movies. All right? Just just his IMDb page, Steven Spielberg movies. And go down the list. I don't want to know about directing. You know, just, just, just go down the list. Steven Spielberg movies. And right, go so down the list. Google Steven Spielberg movies. Okay. okay. Go down the list. Go. Oh, go down the list. Uh, go. Ready Player One. Jaws. E.T. Jurassic Park. Schindler's List. Save Your Prime Ryan. Duel. Closing. You don't have to read anymore. Yeah. Want to ask me again who he is? Yeah, so did he play in this movie? Oh, my God. Stop talking. Oh, he's a director. He made him. Oh, he made him. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he got a pretty good list. You think? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, chewing audience. I mean that. I'm sorry. But he's pissed. See, he's pissed that he's not. he's still living in the past. And he doesn't want Netflix and the streaming audience to be able to be up for Oscars and be Academy. He's trying to, trying to badmouth the streaming audience and the streamers. He's just jealous. I think so, too. That's just jealousy. He's just pissed that Amazon or Netflix hasn't come to him and given him a bunch of money. I'm sorry, but uh, your time is gone. I, th- I, th- I agree 100% with that thought. 100%. And you shouldn't I, do that. And I love Netflix response. Oh, yes. Okay, here we go. All right. This is Netflix response on How Twitter. How many beeps do I need? <laughs> what do you mean? Because oh, if I'm Netflix, news? I'm right. cursing them out. Oh, no, they did. Right, well, but maybe they did a bit. Well, oh, look, they did. Oh, look, this is a new one that just came up. Oh, brand they new one? They did, yeah. Just for chewing the fat. Yeah. We love, chin- we love cinema, you mother. Beep. Here are some things we also love, you. Beep. Access for people who can't always afford or live in towns without theaters, you. Letting everyone everywhere enjoy releases at the same time, you Beep. Giving filmmakers more ways to share art, you stupid. Beep. These things are not mutually exclusive, Stephen. Beep. Berg. Beep. Beep. The history of the future, Oculus, Facebook, and the revolution that swept virtual reality is the title of the book by Blake J. Harris. Now, I'm sure you've heard of uh, Blake J. Harris, a best-selling author of Console Wars, Sega, Nintendo, and the battle that defined a generation. You may have heard him on several podcasts around the country from time to time. And now you can say, hey, I've heard him on Chewing the Fat. Uh, Blake joins us today. How are you, sir? Thanks for coming on. I am very good. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Look, your latest uh, work, uh, The History of the Future, uh, you started this, and it took you, what, three and a half, four years to uh, to do the do the background on this? I mean, that's, uh, that's a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, it took me three and a half years, about, probably about four years total, but three and a half years yeah. doing interviews and hardcore research. And and as, as, as you know, the story turned out absolutely not, at all, like I had expected, which is right. a big part of why it took so long. I mean, coming off of Console Wars, which was a story about the generation defining battle between Sega and Nintendo in the 90s, I figured that this would be another video game generation defining story. Right. And, and the first half of the book is. Yeah, it is. But then it swerves into Facebook and politics and discrimination and all sorts of crazy nonsense that I needed to follow through to the end to finish the book. Right. I mean, it's amazing. The uh, The first half of the book, I mean, we can get started on that, but I mean, the first half of the book with uh, Palmer Lucky was uh, fascinating how he got started, uh, how he uh, yeah. evolved himself into the, into the uh, virtual reality world and, uh, you know, became this, this, this icon of a, of a virtual reality. And then, uh, you know, we're coming up, now we're coming up uh, this month, right, on the uh, five-year anniversary of uh, Facebook buying Oculus. And, I mean, we all, lived, yeah, they, we all lived through that saying, wow, that's, you know, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the short version for any uh, listeners who don't know, Palmer Lucky, back in 2012, he was a 19-year-old kid living in Long Beach, California, working out of a trailer that he lived in, uh, obsessed with virtual reality. 
and he was building virtual reality headsets in there. I remember he had gutted out this trailer, and I once said, hey, the way you're describing that sounds a lot like Walter White's meth fan on Breaking Bad. And he said, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it was. Yeah, it's it was just like it was. But that was his drug of choice. And uh, he soon brought that to the world. And like you said, uh, like less than two years after starting Oculus, he ended up selling it to Facebook for nearly $3 billion. And then it's uh, coming up on the five-year anniversary. And uh, lo and behold, Palmer is not at the company. He was fired uh, almost two years ago uh, for reasons that have nothing to do with virtual reality. Right. It's a fa- fascinating how uh, how the book took the turn to that, too, which you, which you wouldn't expect. If you stopped it there and asked anyone who wasn't you know, already familiar with the story and would say, right. uh, you know, where do we go from here? Well, oh my gosh, the guy is already a billionaire. He's uh, developed that. He's working for Facebook. He's going to be developing other things or making the virtual reality world even better. I mean, we, if, you, if you haven't seen uh, uh, Surrogates with Bruce Willis, I mean, we're headed there. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're totally right. That was part of, uh, I mean, it's an unfortunate story, obviously. I got to know Palmer very well over the years, as well as the other main characters who I interviewed a lot. And so I wasn't happy to see it end that way for him. But in terms of, you know, telling the story, I think it was interesting and and will be productive um, to get into the politics of Facebook that way, you know, because it's not a book that's flat out about uh, conservative politics of Facebook or political discrimination or stuff that, you know, might turn off a lot of readers, but it's people... You know, you start off with this great American dream in the 21st right. century story, and then it swerves into the stuff that maybe that I didn't plan on facing, that I was not necessarily interested in facing, and that probably a lot of readers aren't necessarily interested in diving into. But because you go through Palmer's story and you get to know him and love him and hate him throughout it, um, you know, it, it makes for an interesting way into that world. Sure does. And uh, it's for those that, that don't know, I mean, Palmer got into trouble because he thought that it would be a great or interesting that uh, if Donald Trump were to win the presidency and uh, yeah. it's that's it. You know, I mean, he was just he thought, hey, uh, I think that's going to be, uh, you know, that would be fascinating if this happened. And then the world spun out of control for him. Yeah. And, and, and you know, full disclaimer here, I uh, I'm a lifelong liberal. I very much did <laughs> not vote for Trump or or was very disappointed when he won. You bastard. Yeah, but, you know, uh, I'm not a total bastard because I do believe that everyone has the right to vote for whoever they want, which is apparently not a common thing these days. No, no, it is not a common thing. It is far from common, but I'm I'm just messing with you. Go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's it's, it's all, uh, I I think that this kind of political rivalry is the fun stuff. This is what it should be. People joking around with each other because we're all in this together. And so being all in this together, watching Palmer go through this, um, I thought it was horrifying, and I thought it was really important to to get the story out there because uh, maybe it's all it's just like you know I'm a Jew and I have this mentality of uh, you know first they come for someone else and eventually they come for me. You, know, you aren't kidding. Going to discriminate against conservatives and eventually I'll have an opinion that's unpopular with them and it'll be problematic. Yes, big time. So where are we um, we we've got uh, we've got. Palmer, we'll go back to maybe the beginning before we got in, before the, the Trump year or sure. years. But, uh, you know, he struggled to create this uh, virtual reality because uh, it's a world that we all, I think, want to be a part of. I don't know how much we all want to be a part of, but it's such a cool world to be in that it's difficult not to want to be part of it somehow. And, you know, to the for them to go through that struggle of creating oculus and creating this virtual reality that we all hoped um would maybe be better than it is but it certainly is pretty good right now um you know it was it was it was fascinating to see the struggles that they went through that you wouldn't necessarily think that they would go through um i mean it's just this kid they're just these kids building stuff in a trailer fascinating Right. I mean, because, cause, you, you know, what, what's very interesting about virtual reality as a product and as a sort of a, a business case study, how do you get people to buy this um, proposition, is that it's unlike so many other products because, you know, most yeah. innovations replace something that we already have. So, you know, a car replaces a horse and you could say, all right, well, here's why it's better than a horse or cheaper or more expensive or you can compare it. Um, or, you know, a, a, a smartphone replaces your landline or it replaces your cell phone, you know, right. there's all these other things right. that replace it. The virtual reality is really very different than that because, um, you know, the premise of it is that you put on a headset 
and you feel like you're somewhere else um, and the computer, you know, you're looking at a computer generated world. Um, and maybe that could be a video game. Maybe that could be me being in studio with you right now while I'm in New York. Right. Um, but instantly you're somewhere else. And so, so that's tough. And uh, it's going to take a long time to get to a place where it's a, a profitable venture. But, um, you know, Facebook, one of the benefits of, of being acquired by Facebook was that Facebook was willing to make, you know, a long-term investment in this technology, even if it was going to year after year, um, not result in, in a profit. Blake J. Harris, uh, the author of uh, The History of the Future, is who we're talking to. Um, Blake, I do have a question. When you talked about the um, kind of virtual reality, are we talking about the movie kind of like uh, Ready Player One, something like that? When you talk absolutely. about, hmm, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, in Ready fact, Ready Player One was a big inspiration for me. Uh, Ernest Klein, the author of that, wrote the, uh, the forward to my book, and I would say that without that book, I not only would I not have written mine. But I think a lot of the people who I interviewed would not have decided to risk their careers on virtual reality. You know, the right. Ready Player One did such a great job of showing how this could be done in a feasible way that, that was science fiction, but it didn't feel like, you know, distant, distant science fiction. Right. Right. Of course. I mean, that, that's what and, and, and of course, that's what makes it so fascinating. Right. I mean, that's why we all, you know, we all got the, 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 the headsets and we all wanted to ride the roller coaster in VR and we all wanted to walk off, off the cliff and, and feel like we're falling off the top of a building. I mean, that's all part of the deal. It was fun. Absolutely. And, and, and to your point, you know, we're still very early on in this VR revolution and whether we get to where we're, you know, to something like Ready Player One, the Oasis, it, it remains to be seen. It's going to take a lot more investment. Um, but if that investment is there, we're, you know, it's only a matter of time. And then, of course, as with every technology, there's going to be good and bad. Some people will see this as escape. Some people will see this as a chance to, you know, do anything and everything with right. um, no scarcity. So, you know, right. it'll be an exciting future. nonetheless. And it certainly seemed like we would be uh, farther along than we are uh, five years ago when uh, Facebook, you know, bought Oculus. And then it's funny how life gets in the way of creation. Uh, and that's when the book takes a turn, right? I mean, you're you're looking for yeah, this right. this this great future because the uh, great and almighty Facebook decided that they were going to uh, spend all this money, and we thought, okay, well then here we go. But no, not really. Right, and, and you know, aside from the fact that I think this is um, incredibly important to all of us, as Facebook, you know, increases their user number over two billion, so given Facebook's enormous role in our culture, I think looking into how they operate and, and especially instances of discrimination are important to all of us, right. but, but just, you know, sort of taking a step back conceptually, the, the, the reason that Facebook purchased Oculus for such a large sum of money was because Facebook wanted to own virtual reality. They wanted to own the metaverse as it were, or the Oasis from ready player one. And that's understandable, but I yeah. think that we should also be, you know, considering, okay, if they want to own, virtual reality, how are they actually reacting? How are they actually acting in actual reality? You know, how are they right. governing their employees? How, right. how are they going to govern users? So it, you know, it, it seems incredibly relevant in that way, even though maybe um, it seems, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is that what happened with Palmer was really sad and horrifying to me. Um, but, but it also is, is not just about Palmer. It's like a proxy for a lot of issues that are going on nowadays with social media, in particular with In Facebook. general, yeah. Well, look, yeah. you had uh, in, in you writing this book and given uh, the access that you had, I mean, you were, you know, in the heart of the beast, so to say, and uh, got, yeah. to, got to see what actually uh, made the, the heart pump. And uh, some of that wasn't pretty. Absolutely not. And... You know, I think that if what had happened with Palmer, uh, it's just to add a little more clarity to what you mentioned earlier. Uh, so Palmer, uh, it's interesting because, you know, I think one of the first words that come to mind when you talk about Palmer Lucky is visionary. Yeah. And I think that's a, a perfectly that's a, sure. a, a correct word to use, but it's not even just with virtual reality that when, when he first said he was interested in Donald Trump running for president, that was 2011. So I remember thinking like, wow, you really were ahead of the curve on this too. Right. Um, so Palmer had been a Trump supporter for years. And then in, um, in, in April of 2016, so five or oh, I guess like seven months before the election, Palmer had attended the Trump rally in Costa Mesa. He, um, he, there was, a, a an NBC crew that was shooting video there and he appeared on it with no problem. Then in the intervening months, 
Peter Thiel was quote unquote outed as a Trump supporter and Peter Thiel was on the Facebook board and there yeah. was a lot of outrage on campus to try to get him fired. Yes, and there was. sort of realized like, wow, I, I should probably not be very open about my Trump support. <laughs> and so Palmer made a, uh, a, a little bit less than $10,000 donation to a political organization called Nimble America, whose goal was to put up billboards across the country. Uh, in support of, or I guess, I guess against Hillary. Against Hillary, yeah, it was Trump. more. It was more against Hillary, right? But I mean, it was perceived as for right. Trump. Yeah. Exactly, and yeah. uh, and the, the the only one that they ever ended up putting up was a uh, it was a cartoonish uh, image of her face, and it had the words uh, "too big to jail" on it. So you know, <laughs> a pretty typical. You know, there wasn't anything unsavory about that. I would say, and I say that as someone who was supporting Hillary, <laughs> right. pretty fair game. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, internet freaked out, and people assumed that this. Uh, I mean, part, a large part because of the news that covered it did such a bad job. They essentially reported that every bad internet meme that you've seen over the past election season was, was Palmer Lucky was somehow right. responsible for that. Um, and then, uh, you know, Palmer sought to issue a. a public statement or a press release of some kind explaining what was true and what was not. And uh, he was not allowed to publish that. That never happened, right? Uh, It did happen uh, the following day, but not the one that he wrote, correct. Uh, The statement that he wrote, um, you know, claiming, um, you know, explaining what had happened with Nimble America and that he was supporting Trump and why he was supporting Trump and why he thought Trump could make America great again. That was not allowed to be published because... uh, it was unacceptable for an executive at Facebook to um, support Trump, um, which sounds kind of crazy. And it like, does, but we we know that we we certainly know that to be true now. I know. Well, at the time, I was like, "All right, well, but really, maybe maybe people are just misinterpreting actions." But right, no, because right. then the next day, Mark Zuckerberg personally drafted a statement for Palmer that Palmer needed to post if he wanted to keep his job, and that statement said that he was voting for Gary Johnson. Um, huh. So that ended up going up. Uh, Palmer was basically uh, exiled for the next six months. He wasn't allowed to talk to his colleagues. He wasn't allowed to use social media. Um, and then he ended up getting fired anyway. Did, so, they ever let, did, did they ever let him back into the fold at all? That's a good question. So they did let him back into the office for one day in December. Um, and on that day, he wrote a statement to his colleagues Um still not really allowed to explain what happened, but kind of apologizing a little bit more uh, sincerely than Mark, than robot Mark Zuckerberg. Right, right. Um, and, and, and notably in that message, he said that he planned on being at Oculus for the next 50 years. So flash forward a year or so later to when Facebook is lying to me about what happened here. And they're telling me, Oh no, it was Palmer's choice to leave. And I'm <laughs> saying to them, yeah, but I got a copy of this statement from December 4th. And he says he's going to be here for the next 50 years. How, you know, I don't think it's possible he changed his mind within a couple of months. And then they would say something, you know, like, hmm, let's get back to you. Let's call ah, football coaches. Lie. Football coaches say that all the time. Move on. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but, but it's because the football coaches get a better offer. And Palmer didn't have a better that's, offer. That's a good Being point. Fired was not better. I mean, right. uh, you know, if Alabama was calling, and I could see why Palmer might have left the Miami Dolphins. But right. come on. All right, that's it wasn't a good a point. Situation. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> that's a heck of a point. Blake uh, J. Harris, author of The History of the Future. So, uh, fascinating read. Uh, really fascinating about the entire, uh, entire uh, Oculus, Facebook, and the whole virtual reality uh, revolution. Um, in your, where are we at now in the uh, virtual reality revolution? Where are we at in your eyes? Um, in my eyes, I mean, I, I guess it's. Um, on the proverbial hype cycle, everyone seems to agree that we're in the trough of disillusionment, um, wow. which I guess is what it, it would be called if we're going to, if VR were to succeed again. Otherwise, it would just be called the failure right now. But um, right. No, but I still do believe in it because, you know, going back to what I said earlier about how historically most new products are uh, a replacement or an improvement over previous ones, like a car to a horse and, um, right. you know, television to radio. Um, the, the most similar. Oh, wait a minute. Stop um, for just a second. I just want to stop you there. Television didn't kill radio. All right. I know that's a common misconception, Blake, but <laughs> that could be your next project. Television didn't kill radio. The myth. Yeah, right. thank well, you. Well, I'll just say the way, the way things are positioned. Because I'm sure that people were still buying horses even after cars. Yeah, that's a good point. For other too. reasons. That's too. a good point, too. But, Never uh, mind. <laughs> but, from, but from a sales perspective. Okay. Yeah. So, but. But regardless, you know, the most common uh, technological revolution would be the PC revolution, um, yeah. you know, which is 
sort of happened in the late 70s, most notably with Apple. And Apple was an enormous, you know, rags to riches success story, not unlike Oculus in the late 70s. Um, but as much as we fondly remember Apple uh, introducing computers to the average person back then, that's not really what happened. What happened, you know, my family didn't own a computer until 1995. So it took 15 years after that. Yeah. Um, you know, what actually happened more, of course, it was now available to individuals who were interested, um, hardcore, um, you know, hackers and yep. homebrew computer makers and enthusiasts. Um, but, but really where, where PCs thrived in the 80s was in the enterprise and the business space. It was something that businesses used. And I think that's sort of the direction that we're headed more so, whether it's with, you know, Walmart recently, I think, purchased 5,000 headsets to train employees or the United Nations is using headsets to uh, train um, um, emissaries going to various places or to use for soliciting donations with documentary films about various regions. And so I think that the enterprise space is where you're going to actually see some sort of like ROI that makes sense to keep investing in VR. And then after enough time, hopefully from, I say as a VR lover myself, that hopefully it will make a crossover to more of a mainstream audience. Fascinating. We can see it working. I mean, we see with, uh, we see with many games now we're providing uh, concerts and shows inside the game itself. Uh, maybe we right. do that, you know, in the the VR world as well. And and I love the idea of the businesses uh, training. I mean, that opens their training up to lessen travel costs for sure for businesses. But you know, that's just a, another way to brighten the future of it for sure. What's next for you? I mean, this project took you, uh, you know, four years, and uh, you probably had it in your head for a year before that. So, have you found your next project, or are you just being lazy? Um. <laughs> never, never be lazy. No, uh, no, I have, but it's uh, but it, but it's inherently seemingly lazy. Actually, I've been working on this one for a while, um, and my my manager called and said, "Hey, Blake, how instead of doing hundreds and hundreds of interviews and hustling back and forth between San Francisco and L.A. and New York, how would you like to just go to Tahiti and and write a book there?" And I thought that sounds pretty interesting. And so, oh no, uh, twist my arm. Me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that led me to a story about the first three Americans to open a hotel in Tahiti back in the 1960s and, uh, you know, their efforts to build a Tahitian hotel empire and kind of just make Tahiti this exotic place that people could go to. Cause back in, you know, in the early sixties, there was no airport there. There was kind of no way to get to Tahiti. It was like this almost mythical place. And these guys opened this hotel and ended up having 18 kids with 10 different women and, uh, living an interesting life. And so, I've been speaking with them for the past few years and looking forward to writing that story. Oh, that sounds great. Fascinating business one. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. I'll look, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Blake J. Harris, thank you. Uh, your new book, uh, History of the Future, the Oculus Facebook and the Revolution that Swept Virtual Reality. Thank you uh, for joining us on Chewing the Fat. It's good to talk to you, and I look forward to uh, talking to you again. Thanks so much for having me on. It was great. See you. Before we wrap it up today, I wanted to thank you for subscribing and uh, rating and reviewing and listening to this podcast, Chewing the Fat, with yours truly, Jeff Fisher. Uh, but if you aren't a subscriber, why? Um, you know what? No, I don't want them. What do you mean? If by now you if have to If I have to beg these people to subscribe to this podcast, we want them. All right, you, you're done. Of course we want them. You mean... Don't make me read the Spielberg tweet again. I don't want to beep you out. Of course we want them. That's, of course, look, baby, come here. Of course we want you. Don't listen to him. You know we love you. We'll just love you more if you subscribe and then rate and review and then share. That's it. We will especially love you a lot more if you just subscribe. The rest of it's just extra. The rest of it's just gravy on top of the potatoes. I'm just a pile of potatoes now to you? Yes, that's what you are to me, baby. Pile of potatoes. But I love potatoes, just like I love you. So just subscribe to Chewing the Fat wherever free podcasts are sold, okay? And like I've always said on this podcast, just when you think uh, Mother Nature actually takes care of things, it's an amazing thing. Uh, Animals go extinct, and uh, new animals come on. Uh, Fish go extinct, and new fish are found. A leopard thought to be extinct 
spotted in Taiwan for the first time in over 30 years. Wait, what? You mean climate change didn't kill them? Hello, it's winter. Well, no, it's not really winter in Taiwan. Well, I don't know if it's winter in Taiwan. I haven't looked at the I haven't looked at the jet stream. I don't know what kind of weather they're getting in Taiwan. I'm in love with the fact that they thought these leopards were extinct. And then oh look, oh look there. Oh my gosh, is that one of the leopards that we've already thought was extinct? <coughs> Damn it, I hate it out here in the Taiwan jungle. <laughs> Looking for leopards. <laughs> I just love the fact that we have more animals that that's what the earth does. Can we just let nature be nature? Thank you. Thank you. And when man takes over and we oh we we've cut down some trees and some of the animals move off to the side and we lose some, and then we gain some. And the next thing you know, oh my gosh, I thought those animals were dead because we cut down some lumber. No? Oh. Oh, okay, good. Just amazing. So because of the extensive logging that ate away habitat for the Formosan clouded leopard, uh, they're extinct. Except they're not. We also learned yesterday, Jeffy. Do you remember this? You know, even since my parents had me, we've destroyed 60% of, of life on this planet. What would that be like when my child's my age? Will there be 10% oh, no, less? No, this That's made me cry yesterday. Stop it. do with being, um, you know, a nature wildlife enthusiast like I am. Like, like, <sighs> don't, make, don't make me cry over this. We've lost so many, so many animals. But some of them now are coming back. So we really haven't lost them, have we? Have we?